thank you for mercy. We thank you, our Father, for the grace to be here again and to partake of your mercy. Jesus, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory and honor and adoration. We shall be that exalted in Jesus' name, our Father and our God, ancient of days, the only wise God, the omnipotent Father, omnipresent. Father, we exalt you. We thank you, Father, because you are faithful to us and every single time we come, you show mercy and you show us kindness. Father, we say be thou exalted. Lord, our God and our Father, we pray that in your mercy today you would shine forth in the mighty name of Jesus. That in your mercy today, you will give us wisdom and understanding in your word. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that today you will strengthen our heart again and afresh concerning you. Thank you, Father. Lord, we pray this, this morning that you would pour grace upon our heart. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we pray that. You would, by mercy, cause us to align with your spirit. With the spirit of your word in this season. In the name of Jesus. Father, that your word would shine bright. And our hearts will receive spirit and grace. Lord, the burden of our heart today is that we increase in spirit. Amen. That by the end of today, we'll find strength Amen. to fall in love with life in the spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father. Lord. We give you all the praise. Amen. We exalt your holy name. Amen. To be thou exalted. Yes. For in Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 I will bless today. Father, we thank you. Can you just take a moment to say, to say hi to your to your neighbor? Say, neighbor, I'm happy to see you. I'm happy to to see you today. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Uh, welcome each and every one of us here. I welcome you. Amen. I'm used to that. Amen. I welcome you all. You're welcome. Can you give Jesus uh, praise? And you can just appreciate Jesus this afternoon, this morning. Amen. 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 Thank you, our Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for mercy. We exalt you. Amen. Uh, 
It's a wonderful time to be in the presence of the Lord once more. Amen. Amen. The Lord has been kind. The Lord has been faithful. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, the Lord has been kind. The Lord has been faithful every single time that we gather the Lord comes. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Just a moment. I'm trying to adjust my uh, my mic. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Are we blessed this morning? Are we blessed at all? All right. If you are blessed, just give Jesus a, is he a shout of praise. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm just uh, going to just move based on the movement of the Spirit just within my heart. And, uh, amen. amen. Sorry for that noise. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, the Lord has been faithful. The Lord has been kind. And the Lord has been uh, merciful. How many of us have been blessed in this season so far? How many, of us are, how many of us are excited for the teaching series? How many of us are excited to receive Pastor Cecil? Amen. It's always a beautiful time. Spending time with him has always been awesome. He's a, he's a man of uh, spirit and stature. Amen. Uh, like Reverend said, he's an elder. So although he does not like me saying that, <clears throat> if I say that, he'll be like, uh-uh. But that's what, he, that's, what he, that's what we were told he is, and that's what we accept him to be. Uh, he can take it up with, uh, with Reverend later, and, you know, if he wants to dispute that. Amen. Amen. The Lord has been faithful and kind, and uh, uh, the Lord has been... <clears throat> Merciful to us. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So I think, uh, I think I'm good. Amen. Amen. So <clears throat> I believe we're going to be blessed greatly. Amen. And I just want us to continue praying. Amen. Amen. I want us to continue praying in our heart. Uh, keep praying until the teaching series. Even during and after. May not to pray. And not faint. Pray without ceasing. Yes, That's what Jesus said. Yes. <clears throat> right? Yes, he said pray without ceasing. Meaning in and out of season you should be praying. And I believe that the Lord. One thing that I know that. I believe the Lord would uh, supply great help. Amen? <laughs> Amen. One thing I know that the Lord will also do. You know, teaching series is next week Friday. Yes, and Saturday. Morning, uh, Saturday, Friday evening, and then Saturday morning and Saturday evening. Amen. Amen. And uh, I hope we are preparing. We've cleared our schedule. Amen. So we can. Uh, amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we can drink freely 
of Pastor Ceci and of God. Amen. Amen. Uh, I mean, of course, because it's him that the Lord is sending to us this year. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So, uh, I'm trusting God that uh, we will be blessed greatly. We'll be immensely blessed by mercy, supply of mercy, supply of grace. Amen. Amen. And that we'll be strengthened in our walk. Amen. Amen. We'll be strengthened spiritually. Amen. Amen. You know it's good to to receive uh, ministrations, right, that will strengthen and ground us. Amen. Amen. Uh, The Lord has blessed Pastor Sister with with a, a kind of wisdom to to bring forth the word such that when you hear your heart your heart believes is a it's almost I'll put it is a is a grace of faith somehow. <coughs> Amen. Amen. And I pray that during this season the Lord will bless us. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. How many of us have been blessed so far with the prayer and you know <laughs> because we should be increasing in spirit towards this season. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And so I'm going to just go into the scripture and then we'll go from there today and see what the Lord has for us. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Uh, just hear the Spirit saying to me, I've come to open, open the way. I've come to open. It's to open the highway. Highway into the Spirit. It's to open ways into the Spirit. I've come. To open you up is an opening in the spirit. Is an opening that I've brought to you to expose you more to things edifying, to things for edification, to things for exhortation, to things for building and for raising. Oh, to open you into materials and things you you would take and and use to move spiritually. And as you journey spiritually, you will not lack spirit. You will not lack spirit for movement. You will not lack. You have tools that you need to make your journey. To take your journey and to make your journey easy spiritually. To help you to sow. Even as I sow. Even I, the spirit of God, as I sow in the spirit, I've come. Even to bless you. Even to bless you with strength and with might. Even in your heart to increase you. To increase you, to increase you, to increase you, to increase you, and to strengthen you. Say it, the Spirit. Strengthen you into my ways, into my eye ways, into 
things, things for life, things, things for inheritance, those things to make my things real to you, able to bring the, the reality of my things, to make them clear and to make them, to make them touchable, to make them attainable, to make them palpable. Oh, Maramas, to make them easy, easy to see, easy to know, to make them, to be able to identify even my things and my things which are for your soul, which are bread for your soul, which are bread for your soul, which are bread for your soul. Say it, the Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Father, we thank you. Thank you, our Father. Jesus, we exalt your name. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. <coughs> Sorry, I just had to drink a little bit of water. Amen. Ah. Uh, Lord is said to bless us. Uh, one of the things that the Lord is saying to us, right? I mean, I believe is part of the uh, the the blessing of the season. Amen. Um, that the Lord wants to make the spiritual touchable. He wants to make it real. Amen. Uh, it's possible that since we've known God. Um, it's possible that God himself is not yet real to us. Amen. In as much as there is in as much as there is uh, the movement of our heart towards him. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. In as much as there is a movement of our heart towards him, it's possible that Jesus is not yet real. Amen. Amen. You know, it's possible that Jesus is still a concept in minds. Amen. Amen. In as much as we know Jesus, we believe him, we go to church, that's what we do for him. Right? We actually do things for Jesus, believing that Jesus is going to one day bless us, right? That's going to one, one day uh, bless us uh, with his things, with his life. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you. Amen. Amen. <coughs> that is going to bless us with his things and his life. Jesus has been faithful and kind to many to men generally. Amen. Even though if only what you have is just a little belief, you still by mercy come to you. Amen. Uh, but it's possible that we've been going about doing things, touching things, but Jesus is not yet real. To us. Amen. But Jesus should be real. Amen. Jesus should be real. Jesus, 
one thing I want us to be seeing the moment we start thinking about Jesus is that we should not start thinking about him as a concept. Amen. You know, it's easy to think of Jesus as a concept. You can serve a concept. You can give yourself a concept. You can do things based on a concept. Amen. You can have an idea of Jesus and that's all you have. But Jesus is not an idea. Jesus is not a concept. Jesus is not a, uh, a thing that is not touchable. Jesus, there's a reason why Jesus is a man. There's a reason why Jesus what? Came into the flesh. First John chapter 1, right? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. Amen. Praise the Lord. The word was what? The word was God. Right? And it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Amen. Do you know why it's important? If Funny, if Jesus had not come in the flesh, it's possible Satan can point an accusation finger to Jesus today. Say, you can't save men. How? You're not real. You're just a thing existing in the spirit. How can you save men? No, 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 no. But me, you see, I own flesh. Amen. Amen. I own flesh. I deal with flesh. In, in short, flesh is now my inheritance. I own it. I control it. I do whatever I want to do with it. Why? Because I'm one with flesh. I've become one. Amen. Amen. But you, you can't. How? You can't. You can't be one. You can't. You can't lay claim to souls because you're just a concept. You're not real. You're just an idea. You're just a a thing that. Men look at. Amen. Amen. You're just a thing that what? Men look at, men look at mentally. No, no real touch. They can't really touch you. So how? How can you be real? In short, when men are trying to even come to a place where Jesus is real to them, Satan can come and start talking to them. No, Jesus is not real. Jesus can't be real to you. Who is the, who is the person you are even serving? It's easy to remove faith from heart. As Why? Because it's not real. And the moment Jesus is not real, Satan have a huge ground to discourage hearts. Amen. So huge. See that area of just concept and ideas. That's where Satan. Satan is a lord of it. Well, I mean, he's not lord. I mean, Jesus is lord, right? But there's something that they give credence to him for in Scripture. They say that he is the prince of the power of the air. Amen. Amen. And the air is a, is a realm of, uh, is a movement of thoughts or things that airspace, airspace is, is a space for transaction spiritually. Amen. Amen. Plane is just, plane just took the idea of, of uh, uh, spiritual, is a spiritual concept, right? When you have a plane flying from one location to another, there is movement in the air. Right, so the air is actually a space that things can move through. 
So the air really is in a way a heaven over men, right? That somebody is loading. Is a is a somebody is currently is the master of the air. Even though it's not for long. In short, they've already started removing him from the air because as every man gradually is coming out of the ideas, not just ideas, but out of the concepts, out of the preaching, out of the forming, right, that the air is for, moving into another kind of heaven. Amen. In the same space, in the air, you can switch allegiance. You can switch ideas. You can, not just idea alone, you can switch minds. You can use that word. You can just, you can switch minds. Amen. Amen. So Satan took the air, saying, no, I'm the Lord here. Right? He became the prince of the power. Right? He didn't become the prince of the power of the air initially. Right? He's the prince of the power of the air over men. But that was not his initial uh, authority. In short, it took time before Satan became the prince of the power of the air. Amen. So it wasn't naturally his, uh, his place. Right? But now over time, he has mastered the, the space of uh, where things come from to man. That air space. Amen. Everything that must come to man must pass through the air. It must pass through the air. Is a like you know all these uh, governments. You know they have different territories. You know, for example, you have uh, uh, countries would have like full soldiers, right? You have the navy, right? And then you have the uh, what's that uh, one in the? So you have air force, right? And then you have the, I think it's the navy for for the for the water, right? So we have the military on the on the ground, foot soldiers. You have their own, and then you have the navy, marines. You have the marines, right? And then you have air forces, right? In the air. So, like like you have air forces, means the force that move in the air. So their their mode of operation is in the air. Right? They don't operate on the ground. If they want to fight, they don't fight on the ground. They have to take flight, move into the air, and then st- strategically start fighting. And you have air forces. Satan is in the air with forces all day, right? trying to gain ground. Amen. Amen. Or is, right now, he has gained a lot of ground over men. In short, how you know he has gained a lot of ground is the kind of ideas men uh, and not just bringing forth. It's a different thing to bring forth idea. It's a, different, it's a different thing to make ideas a reality. It, it takes strength and power to make ideas a reality. It's not just by sheer, uh, mm, I'll do this. No, ideas don't become real by just I'll do. You have to, there has to be a movement uh, within soul's heart to get ideas a reality. Amen. In short, for ideas to become a reality most of the time, well, no, not really most of the time, all the time, for ideas to become a reality, souls are spent. It just has to happen. You can't just get ideas to be a real thing without spending. So, 
Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You have to spend. Praise the Lord. Money enough can't do it. If it's just money, things won't move. Money can get materials and different things ready, but without soul, nothing would move. The soul is the movement, is the, is the power behind things. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, Satan has taken over the air, right? And because he has taken over, ideas, uh, thoughts are easily interjected. Ideas and thoughts are easily, those. that's the, that's the easiest thing to do. Is to take thought, right, and hijack it and make it make it can take it make it his own. Amen. Amen. Satan will take thought. If an idea is coming from God, Satan can take it and twist it and change it. Amen. Amen. If souls are not discerning, it's possible for that to happen, right? Because he has, he's a master in a way. He's a master. He's not just a a young master is an old serpent, is an old master. And the thing about being old, right, as a master, is that you have wisdoms, all kinds of wisdoms. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So when Satan uh, is doing his thing, and they, 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 they spoke to us, right? <coughs> Praise the Lord. They spoke to us that Jesus. Or, no, Satan, rather. They spoke to us that Satan has a wisdom. Not just has a wisdom. He's full. Actually, they say he's full of wisdom. Perfect in beauty. Amen. That's the kind of person that we are dealing with here. Imagine a guy that is full of wisdom, perfect in beauty. You know, beauty, perfection of beauty. It's not, just, it's not just that a guy looks nice or a lady looks awesome and pretty. No, that's just an expression of being pretty. Right, but perfection of beauty. He's talking about the the perfection, the 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 revealing of of that which is beautiful. The sum, the perfection is the sum of beauty. All the beauty that is in the spirit. Amen. Amen. There's what God calls beauty. Amen. When, when God is talking, there's what God calls beauty, according to scripture. Amen. And they told us that upon Zion, upon Zion is the perfection of beauty. Right? And out of that, God had shine. So they are talking about a place where God shine from. Amen. No perfection of beauty has to do with shining. Right? God at shine. So they're talking about a place where God can shine from. That place is where this guy is coming from. See, he was perfect in beauty. He's upon the mountain of perfection. That's, that's Satan. That's the guy. Imagine that kind of guy and he's full of wisdom. Amen? You know, most of the time when we talk about Satan, right, we used to think about him as one defeated. I mean, he's defeated, but we used to think of him as one small guy that doesn't know what he's doing forget it man Satan is when you see Satan you see beauty when you see Satan what you see in short you might want to hug and kiss him before you realize wait this is Satan he's so he's beautiful and the power of his beauty is the fact that it can draw and layer everything that is beautiful has the, has the ability to draw Right? 
That's the thing about beauty. Beauty is not just is nice. The power in beauty is that beauty compels. Is a comp- beauty is a compelling. Is a is a is a movement that when you see beauty is clear, when you see beauty, you are tempted to look twice. Right. Every time you see something beautiful, you look at it twice. Imagine you are shop, you are going, and then you are walking in a in a mall, and and all of a sudden, you maybe no, you didn't even see it clearly. You just passed, and then your side eye just located something that look. You notice the you, the face will move. Why? Because it's you just saw something beautiful. Everything beautiful calls for attention. So when we when we when we talk about beauty, huh? Beauty, spirit, it calls for attention. It's actually a property in God. It's not, it's not actually a property that Satan owns by himself. God gave it to him. Yeah. But it's actually, it's actually what God has as a person. Amen. Amen. In God's person, God is beautiful. Right? The, the, the bit of beauty that we pick from God, we, we pick a bit of it when we are in fellowship, and maybe we're just praising Jesus, all of a sudden we just have a sense of an aura of, ah, wow, God is so beautiful. Aha, that is coming from a place. It's coming from his person. So you now realize that true beauty is not just about the appearance. It's about his power. It's just men. It's, you know, Satan has defined beauty for us that it's just something that looks nice. It just looks nice, all, all polished, all looking nice. Right? But it's not just about that. Beauty is not just about looking nice. Beauty is talking about the it's talking about the 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 is it I use the beauty spirit in a way. Beauty is talking about the the arrangement of things in the spirit to get souls to respond. That's what you call beauty. Beauty will get you to respond. If you you not think about beauty in that way, you now realize that there are many things beautiful to souls that is not of God. There are many things beautiful. Amen. There are what? Many things beautiful that is not of God. You can come, you can, if you want to look at things like that, you can look from the invincible into the visible. Right? Visible, you can just look at natural, you no know, physical thing that looks polished and nice. That's that's one aspect. There are other things. Have you ever met somebody that, as you are talking to them, their spirit is just beautiful to you? It's a different. That's a different kind of beauty again. Yes, but that's of God. But there are other things that is not of God. Have you ever met people and and then by the time you met with them, like no, I don't want to see this person again ever in my life. <laughs> It's possible, right? I'm not. I'm not saying that they were, they were maybe insulting or anything. It's just that by the time you interact with them, finish, and you love God, let's put that clause, and you love God. Now, if you don't love God, of course, it's easy to quickly take idea. Ah, but if you love God really, the moment souls come around you and they are telling you, you know what? Let's go and serve. Other gods, and then by the time they are talking, and uh, they are like, you, you want to go and, and then all of a sudden, you say, oh, maybe you just by mercy just get yourself. Hey, 
No, I'm not going. Please, go on your own. Amen. Amen. That's messy. But what has happened is that that soul was kind of displaying some kind of beauty to lure the soul, to take the soul out of the way. Is a, is a, there's, there's an arrangement. As you are here, there are things real in the spirit that's arranged around you. Amen. So the spiritual is not really, it's not sin, but things there are real. It's as real as this chair in front of you. It's as real as your neighbor beside you. But you don't see them, but they are real. Clearly real. Awesomely real, that's what they are. And things beautiful are things arranged in the spirit to pull you, to get you, and take you somewhere. That's what things beautiful do. Amen. Amen. So God is beautiful. He, he makes, he gives us a scent of that when he gave us the Holy Spirit. And then we start enjoying the Holy Spirit. There's no way you would connect the Spirit of God and then you won't sense some kind of fragrance of beauty. Right? As is, they use words like fragrance you know, for spirit, but inside that fragrance, there's something you smell. You can smell beauty there. You know, in, in the fragrance of, of the spirit, there are many things you can pick. Right? Like the scripture tells us in Psalm 45, say, all your garments smell of myrrh, aloe, cassia, right? Whereby they have made thee glad. You see, there are things about the spirit that can make you glad. Right? But there are things in this. There are beautiful things. There are compelling things in this. Have you ever encountered the spirit and you are just compelled to move into the spirit? To start thinking about this thing. Where is it coming from? This thing, where is it going to? Ah, this thing I'm feeling. There's a, there's a way I'm feeling about this thing, but... It's so beautiful, but it's coming from a place almost like, ah, can I touch that place? Can I move in there? That sometimes is what moves souls towards God. It sometimes is what is an, is an, that's what is an anchor. God needed to give us some kind of a taste of beauty, but it's not yet perfect. It's a taste of it. But there's actually what you call perfection of beauty. If if this beginning of beauty can just be like that, just imagine how would the perfection of this kind of thing be, right? If just, just you're just thinking about the spirit, ah, Holy Spirit, I just love how you just come around me, talk to me, engage me. If you can enjoy that, how would the perfection of beauty be? But perfection of beauty is a real thing in the spirit. If we are breaking through the barrier of Holy Ghost being real, then for sure, Holy Ghost is real. We don't see it, right? Uh-huh. But that means that there is the perfection of beauty where God shines. Imagine if Holy Ghost is a way of God shining to you now. Right? And in a way, God is shining to you. Now, if God is going to shine again out of perfection of beauty, how beautiful will that shining be? How beautiful will that be to your soul? How beautiful will it be for souls to move? Every time something beautiful comes, it's a compelling to come inside. Amen. It's actually is a property of God. But Satan, because God blessed Satan with a little bit of it, or he adorned him with just some of it, he has the power. 
of the perfection of beauty. Amen. So we're just talking about God and then putting Satan on the side because if, if Satan is real, God has to be real. Right? Amen. But let's read Ezekiel uh, just to see that aspect of Satan, right, that I'm talking about, about beauty, right? We want to see it out of that. Let's go to Ezekiel 30, 38. Amen. Praise the Lord. Ezekiel 38 verse actually mm, something is 20 should be 28. Yes, 28. Ezekiel 28. I don't know why I like 38. But what's in 38 is Gog and Magog. I don't know why I always talk about 38. Because the one close to 38 is 36. But I'm wondering, why do I always say 38? I don't know. 38. One day I'll read it and figure out why I'm always going to 38. 28, verse uh, 12. Let me read from verse 12. Um, first of all, there's, there's from verse 1 to 11 is the, is the prophecy to the king or to the prince of Tyrus, right? Which is a man. Right. Then, from twelve, they are now addressing the spirit that is upon that man. Now, kingdoms and and things don't just happen. Nothing is nothing is by sheer coincidence. Why is it no? Everything has spirit behind it. Every single thing has a spirit behind it. Amen. If, no matter what it is, there's a spirit behind it. Wow. If, for example, now, um, they're talking about something. Let's say, for example, you just heard all of a sudden, oh, um, there is this new thing called, uh, what's the easiest one I can use? Oh, is it cryptocurrency? The cryptocurrency has expired, but eh, maybe we can use that. You know, There's a new thing called cryptocurrency, and everybody's going after it. It's possible. So can say, okay, let me to go and do. You check it. Why are you going to do it? The first thing, if you check, sometimes it can be the lost. The lost of the pool of, okay, what? Okay, okay, of course, okay, want to make money and all that. Okay, great. But why are souls wanting to go for it? It can be the loss. Sometimes the loss of something can be pulling you to do it. But the thing itself may not be bad. But the loss of it can pull souls. Everything in this world is laced with lost, such that if you are not careful how you undo them, the lost can speak to you and then pull you and then you go do it. Amen. But that lost didn't just arrive there by sheer coincidence. It's a spirit that is, is anything that can pull you has to do with spirit. So things, is spirit that lays lost on things. Everything has a spirit behind it. So if everybody is moving, then there's a spirit moving everybody to go do it. Amen. Amen. In a place, all of a sudden, maybe the intent now is a uh, motivation speaking. Then you now see everybody going to do motivation speaking. There's a spirit behind it too. Amen. Amen. Everything on earth has the has the tendency for loss. Everything. It doesn't mean that it's entirely lostful in itself. Things can exist in itself. 
In short, the scripture tells us that everything God created were good. And he has given us all things to enjoy. See, that's the scripture. But you know when you look at it, the way men deal with things is no longer by enjoyment. It's by dealing with it with lust, with, with gain, with, with flesh. Just, okay, what will I gain out of here? That's mostly what runs men's actions and movements. So everything has a spirit behind it. Amen. So when you have government, like let's say you have uh, the government in Canada, the government in Nigeria, the government in Europe, all the government, there's a spirit behind all that as well. And here they are talking about a particular man called the Prince of Tyrus. And we have to understand, in his time, there's a kind of kingdom he operated, whereby he's, he's a master of trade. He has allegiance with kingdoms, right? He has links with different kingdoms. And then there's a way he's interacting with all of those kingdoms. But he has a wisdom for merchandise. How to be safe amongst interaction. You know, in those days, when you're interacting with kingdoms, you have to be careful. But he has a wisdom of interacting with everybody. There's what he's using. And in his time, he was very prosperous in the natural. There's actually a kingdom called Tyra, right? If you look into the map, if you have those maps at the back of your Bible, I think there's usually Tyra. Tyra there by the, by the riverside. It's actually by the, you see where they are fighting war now, Gaza, you know, Israel, right? On the, there's, by that gulf of this, you see Tyra by one corner. It's almost like the seaport. Yeah. <laughs> so he has, he interacts with, with kingdoms. And you know, seaport is an access to trade in those days, right? So the guy knows how to work with nations right? Deal with nations so that he's so prosperous. He's, pros- he's prospering. But when you see that in the natural, you wouldn't know that there's actually a spirit behind it. In short, when you see it, you say, wow, God has blessed this kingdom. You say it's God that blessed him. But not really. It wasn't God's wisdom that blessed him. He's actually a prince. He's a king over the prince that actually was behaving in him to is using a wisdom he connected with a spirit but we we'll see it here so uh let me chapter 38 verse 1 it says the word of the lord god the word of the lord came again unto me saying that's ezekiel son of man say unto the prince of tyrus amen, amen. say unto the prince of tyrus thus saith the lord god because thine heart is lifted up and thou hast said i am a god you see, I sit in the seat of God. So this man is having this kind of heart because of the wisdom and the prosperity with which he was walking, right? In a way, he has some kind of beauty, naturally, when you look at him, right? It says, Thou hast uh, said in thy heart, uh, said thy heart as the heart. Okay, let me read from verse 2. Verse 2 says, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, thus said the Lord God, because thy heart is lifted up. And thou hast said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of God, in the midst of the seas. Yet thou art a man. You see, they are telling you, see, you are a man. And not God. God, and not God. Though thou set thy heart as the heart of God. See, 
this kind of, for a soul to set his heart as a heart of God, he has to be a Satan. Anywhere that nature is found in any man, it's not from God. God's, God's nature is meekness. But for someone to set his heart as God. No, God is, is he who controls. He's the one that has the sole authority to set the order of things. Right? How things should be. How things should run. Is God watches over the affairs of man. He's the one really, Satan thinks he's in control most of the time, but he's not. The one Satan is moving and doing things, he thinks he's in control. He's not in control. God is in control. Why? Because Satan is also working in God's vineyard. Wow. Because God, know, God knows how to use evil. When I say not to use, God is not evil. You just know that God knows how to use evil for good. Like the scripture says, all things work together for good. Means that even Satan, if Satan is coming and trying to do all kinds of this, God knows how to turn it around. Or even use the same thing for to bring forth his own kind of fruit. No one, maybe Satan is fighting somebody and not giving them a job. You know, you think, ah, that's the end. But God can still use that same thing to teach souls how to depend on God. You see, it's a kind of arrangement. But for us, we think, ah, Satan is winning. He's not winning anything. Even now, it looks like Satan is winning on earth. He's not winning anything. God is watching. God is going to judge. God is judging. So where fear comes, ah, will they take everything? Calm down. Nothing is going to go. God is watching over the affairs of men. Amen. But let's go for that. It says, behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. You see this guy being wiser than Daniel. That's why you fear him. If you know Daniel and he says somebody is wiser than Daniel, then you should know that this guy is not an ordinary guy. If Daniel is wise, we know how we know how and why he's wise. The reason why Daniel is wise is simply because Daniel aligned with God. His wisdom is actually aligned spiritually with God. So it's out of his spirit, right? Because Daniel is also a prophet, right? Uh-huh. And as he's dealing with God, he's using a, a spiritual wisdom in a way, not just natural. And if there is somebody who's wiser than that, then you must be a spirit too. It can't be natural. Amen. So thou art wiser than that. There is no secret that they can hide from thee. He says, with thy wisdom and with thy understanding, thou hast gotten thee riches. You see, yes, Tyra, it was rich. And has gotten gold and silver into thy treasure. By thy great wisdom and by, the tra- by thy traffic as thou increased thy riches. And thy heart is lifted up because of thy riches. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because thou hast set thy heart as the heart of God. Behold, therefore, I will bring strangers upon thee and the terrible of the nation, and they shall draw their swords against the beauty of thy wisdom. You see? They shall draw their sword against... You see, when the Lord is dealing with the king of Tyre, what they have to deal with is, the, is that thing about his wisdom and beauty. Amen. So they have to de- against thy be- the beauty of thy wisdom. So there's something beautiful about the wisdom that this king of Tyrus is using. There's something... It's a... Imagine this guy that is rich, trafficking. There must be a ways he's compelling men not to be angry with him. 
is arranging men to favor him. He has a wisdom that when everybody sees him, they fall in love with him. They don't want to fight him. There's a reason why he's like that. It's a wisdom, it's a, it's a kind of beauty that he's using, which is not from God really. Amen. Then say, but the Lord is bringing a sword to that, to that wisdom. Amen. Because in a way, beauty is also tied to wisdom. When wisdom is displayed, what you actually see is beauty. When you see wisdom, especially that which comes from God, being made manifest, what you pick is, ah, I like the way that is done. It's a beauty, spiritually. Amen. So, and then, and they shall defile thy brightness, right? <clears throat> they shall bring thee down to the pit, and thou shalt die the deaths of them that are slain in the midst of the seas. Will thou yet say before him that slayed thee, I am God? Why? Because gods don't bleed. If you are slain, <laughs> so will you, if you are slain, will you now say you are God because you have said in thy heart that you are God? But if you can be slain in the midst of the seas, then that means that you are not a God because gods don't bleed. Amen. Amen. Like, uh, have you watched 300? No, that's one of the, that uh, Syrian king, he was, he was setting himself as a God. That's, that's pretty much what he was. He made himself like God. Just like this king of Tyrus here. And then when that guy, I uh, forgot his name. I knew the name of actors. What's that name? What's his name? I don't know. I can't remember his name. But he's the same guy that did a... There's a recent movie. Eh? Yeah, that, that guy. I, don't, I can't remember his name. But, but he's a, he was a... It was a Spartan, right? The 300 Spartan. Mm -hmm. So those 300 Spartan, it was a leader. Then towards the end, all, all the guys were doing is that he's a god. But he knows that ah, 300 against billions of soldiers, well, we may not be the best, but we'll do one, there's one thing I'll prove. I'll make sure that everybody knows that you're not a god or a man. Right? Because gods don't bleed. Then what he did is the guy came to his phone. Towards the end, he just throw, take, take his uh, spear, threw it at him, and then he tore the side of his mouth like that, and he was bleeding. It's a proof to everybody, see, he's not a God, he's a man. If he's a God, he won't bleed. But because you can bleed, that means you are, meaning that we can kill you. You're not untouchable. Amen. So let me go for that. It says, without yet say before him that slay thee, I am God, but thou shalt be a man and no God. In the hand of him, that slayed thee. Thou shalt die the death of the uncircumcised by the hand of strangers. For I have spoken it, said the Lord God. Amen. Amen. Say, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, verse 11, saying, Now, see this, up to, up to, up to 10, they were dealing with the, the man. They've not moved to the spirit behind that man. So all the things he was doing, all the things he expressed, the wisdom, the way, the beauty of it, the way around his wisdom, there's actually a spirit that he connected with that allowed him to do all those things. Now, they've addressed the man. Now, they're not moving to the spirit. It says, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, verse 12, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. Now, this is the king. The king is over the prince. 
and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, thou sealest up the sum. This is not a man. If you can seal up the sum, sum of what? The sum of spirit. Right? Full of wisdom. Perfect in beauty. This this guy who seen for us says, thou hast been in the Eden, the garden. Okay, if he has been in Eden, the garden of God, then this clearly not a man. Right? It can't be a man because a man, right? The first man that was in Eden, any Eden at all, was Adam. But this is not Adam, which is what day and age is this. So clearly, if then it must be a spirit that has been in Eden. No, Eden in Adam is not the first Eden. Because this clearly states, and this is not Satan in Eden. They are talking about an Eden in heaven. There's an heavenly Eden called the Garden of God that God took things from and planted in the earthly Eden. But what is earthly? It's not even earthly that time because before St. Adam fell, Eden is a spiritual place. It's not natural like this. That's why you can't find Eden today. Everybody, if you go around the earth, up and down, you won't find Eden. Amen. Because you can't find Eden is a spiritual place. It's a place in between the natural and the spiritual. When I say in between, it's a soul realm. It's a soul realm that is real to soul. When I say soul realm, because that's where God put the living soul. If you read Genesis chapter 1 very well, chapter 2 and 3, 2 and 3, you see that this after God created everything, they're gonna planted a garden eastward. Right? God had planted a garden and then he now put Adam inside the garden. It's that garden they call Eden. So everything that God was creating in the beginning was not Eden. It was later God now planted Eden. So when he planted it, it's not natural. It's spiritual in a way that is real to Adam. The same way you and I are talking, we see each other, we touch each other. Adam can touch Eden. Ah, And funny enough, it's possible for you to touch Eden now. But just not physically, spiritually. Amen. So God took a garden from Eden of God, planted it in Eden. And that's what we have as Eden, Adam's Eden. But there's the Eden of God. Because that's what the scripture says. So that was being in Eden, the garden of God. The one that Adam was in is not the garden of God. It's the garden for Adam. Even though he's of God. Right? But that's Adam's garden. But it's a kind of Eden. But there is the Eden of God. It's spiritual. In short, God used the natural to try and explain the spiritual. Everything in the natural, in a way, tries to explain, or everything God created tries to explain the spiritual. And then in, in the spirit, or let me put it this way again. God, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In a way, the heaven is a prototype of what earth should be. That's just it. It's a prototype of what earth should be. So in heaven, you have Eden. In heaven, you have angels living there. In heaven, you have God. On earth of Adam that God created before the fall, right? You have Adam there. Adam, in a way, 
was like an angel, but he's not. Because the scripture says he made him a little lower than the angels, right? So if he was made a little lower than the angels, it means he's almost an angel in a way. So the way angels are made, that's almost the way Adam is. In a way, you can refer to Adam as an earthly angel. Right? So because he's an earthly angel, it's almost like angels in heaven. So when you look at heaven, when heaven is arrayed and explained, you now realize that all of heaven really is a way, right, of showing what earth, not just earth, men on earth should take. When you see angels in a way, it's almost reminding man, this is what you should look like, even better. Amen. So they took, they took, they took Eden from heaven, planted it on earth, to show, okay, there's one heaven, there's one earth. But the one in heaven is the garden of God, because that's where God's office is. You know, heaven, this present heaven is God's office. It's not his house. It's an office. It says, heaven is thy throne, the earth is your footstool. Then he began to ask in Isaiah 60, okay, so where is the... How's your bid unto me? Where's the place of my rest? Ah, okay, but ah, uh, I thought you were, uh, yeah, I'm in heaven, but heaven is not my home. And then Solomon was saying, after he built the temple, say, God, in whom heavens of the heavens cannot contain. So that means it's not his home. If you can't contain him, it's just his office. Temporarily staying there because he's actually looking for a home which, which you are part of the story. The reason why God created man, really, is for the purpose of home. You are to be his home. Amen. But it's not just any kind of man that can be God's home. Now, for if an angel is perfect in beauty, okay, shouldn't the kind of man that will house God at least, at least be perfect in beauty? Right? If an angel is perfect in beauty. Amen. It means that to, to, at least, uh-uh. Okay, God is in heaven. Angels stay in heaven too. Okay. But this one is perfect. And we know that this thing was taken out of God. So when God was creating all of the heavens, he took his nature and he used it to create different angels. So when you see an angel, what you're actually seeing is something out of God. Amen. So when you see Adam, Adam was also something out of God. Just that the fall has changed things. The fall reformed man. Now God is reforming man again. Amen. So, so that, okay, it can actually have the capacity to, in a way, house God. Amen. Praise the Lord. So, the, the angelic, right, all of the heavens, God just took part of him and used it to make angels. And scripture tells us that now, I think there was a, a day we were talking about the way to name, right? How God names, what it means to name. Is that you don't just name anyhow. How to name is that you take what is inside of you and you, and you, you, you name it. So what is inside is what comes out to be named. Just like we saw in Adam, right? Eve was in him. Then the moment God brought forth Eve, he said, and he said he looked at her, right, and said, hmm, 
for you are taken out of me, you shall be called Eve. Say, so for you are taken out. So where he found the name from is from inside. So you were taken out of me, you shall be named. If it was not from, out, from inside of him, he couldn't name Eve. Amen. And we realize later that even all of the animals and everything God created that Adam named, that scripture tells us, it was actually from him that those things were made. It was uh, Genesis 3 that makes us see it. Clearly, it's, it's, it's in scripture there. Then God brought them to him to name. So it was actually God that was bringing them one by one. Oh, yeah, name this one. I said, God brought. So, and whatever Adam calls them, that's what they are. Because he has the the name of them inside of him because somehow all of those things that God created were tied to him so he could name them. Amen. So if you take that same understanding and put it with angels and the scripture tells us in Ephesians, let's read it, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 16. What does it say? Ephesians chapter 3. Mm. This is 3. Okay. It says... Say that, okay, it was, it was uh, this is when Paul was praying, right? He says, of whom the whole family, that's verse 15. <laughs> Let me read from verse 14, right? Ephesians 3, 14. Say, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15. Of whom the whole family, you see, in heaven and on earth is named. See? We've taken that concept. If they say everything in heaven and on earth is named, of whom? Is named. Meaning that everything in heaven and on earth is named after him. Meaning that all of them have their name from him. Even Adam was not without a name from him because he's called the living soul. It's a name from God. So, and God breathed, right? And the breath of, into his breath of life and man became a living soul. Is a name from God. Right, so then I say all the angels have a name, meaning that they took things out of God to use it to create them. Meaning that every angel has capacity in themselves to reveal God to you in some way. That is why God can allow the ministration of angels. Right, you have an angel, everyone has an angel, right. And we know there is the angelic is real. If there's anything that the Lord wants us to understand today, that see, spirit things, things are real. They are not. They are not fake. They are not concept. They are not ideas. They are real. Amen. You are thinking about God because He's a thought. Does not mean He's not real. You are thinking about Jesus just because you are not seeing. Does not mean He's not real. You are thinking about. Spiritual things, just because you can't see it, does not mean they are not real. If God should open our eyes, far and see right around here, you see angels plenty, just around. Okay, why they they want to listen to the message? But you don't think so. 
I don't think they like listen, don't think they like listening to messages. They they want to hear what God has to say. Or you don't think, why? Because there are some things they will never hear except God says it through men. That's the funny thing. Why? Because they carry things inside of them, locked up, that it is meant for men to read and say. So they are waiting for men to grow and begin to be able to connect and, okay, this is, but what is inside them? It's not about them, it's about God. So as men learn and know God, angels are excited, yes, ah, so this is what I've been carrying. So maybe, maybe God just revealed part of something that an angel is carrying. Like, hey, so this is what I'm carrying. Sins. Hey, wow, this is so beautiful. Hey, ha. Huh, and you know that there, there, there's what we call cloud of witnesses. Right? Even men that have died. Right? Imagine Enoch, uh, John, Paul, all of those Man of God, you know it's possible they come into the meeting and be listening. Yes, Don't think so. Yes, so you have you have clouds of witnesses. That's what Scripture says in Hebrews twelve, right? Clouds of witnesses. And then in the, in First Peter chapter one or two, I think chapter one, there's they tell us clearly that things which angel desire see not just angels, men prophets desire to look into. When they were prophesying, right? They had, okay, what's God saying? They tried to look. They couldn't find it. Amen. Amen. It's because God kept it secret in a way. So all those things, imagine, imagine angels, they carry things they themselves can't read. Because it's God, it's God's thing, locked up. The only way they have glimpse of it is that as they are living their normal life, those things that is, because the thing God used to create them that is of God's name is actually of God's life. So as angels are going about doing their, they're like, oh, it's like they're discovering God. Oh, oh, I, I just did this. Oh, okay, oh, that's, oh, God do things like this. Hmm, interesting. They are discovering God every day. As they are living, as they are acting, you now realize that angels don't just live. That's Psalm 103. Let's read it, actually. Psalm 103, verse, verse 20. Is it 20? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Psalm 103. Okay, I need somebody to help me read this one. Hold on, uh, can you please let me give her the mic so she can, so we can hear your voice. Okay, Psalm 103 verse 20. Mm-hmm. Bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength. strength. You see? That what? That excel in strength. And then, read further. That do his commandments. See, that do his commandments. Meaning that God gave them a command, they went to go and do it. So, see, angels don't just live their life. They hear command, they do. Meaning that a word came to them as commandment, then they go and do it. And in doing so, they discover God. Read the next one as well. 
that do his commandments, hearkening mm -hmm. unto the voice, voice of his word. You see, they are hearkening unto the voice of his word. Then the next one. Bless ye the Lord, all ye his hosts, Host. ye mm -hmm. ministers of his that do his that pleasure. Say so ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. Meaning that as they are doing God's pleasure, they are discovering pleasure. That is, oh, this is the kind of thing that pleases God. Hmm. So, so, how God commands them is that God operates the name inside of them. Because it is his name. Then God can operate it, turn it, give them a commandment. Or speak to them and then they go do it. And in doing so, they discover God. They, every time an angel is obedient... They discover God. So they don't just, you know, the same way, maybe we have, uh, you can turn off the, maybe the same way, uh, maybe the same way the, uh, we just assume that, you know, angels just go about doing whatever they like. No. They don't just live anyhow. They live according to the word and the voice of God. As the God commands. You see, that link, that's how they operate the name. And then, one guy thought it, mm, God's commandment is not that great. Let me just do my own thing. That's how he sinned. Now see that, see when God is telling us, obey me, follow me, let me lead you. God is not trying to, God is not trying to, to lord over you. He's actually trying to operate his name in you. In a way, he's also trying to name you. Amen. Amen. Adam has names that were lost. Things that were lost. That the only way to get it back is by obedience. By, by, by see this the way angels are built to hearken to the voice. That's how men ought to be living because that's how Adam was. And how to know that's how Adam was is that the moment he fell, that thing was not gone entirely. He said, I heard your voice walking in the ah. He must be used to his voice to know when the voice is walking, moving, running, talking. He knows the manner of his voice. Right? Means that man naturally is built to hear the voice. Not just audibly alone. He's, as the voice is moving. So that is why when you get born again and the Holy Spirit awakens in you and your spirit is alive. You see workings inside of you that is similar to that. That all of a sudden you just feel a sense. Okay. It's like God, God is talking to me now. Okay. It's, you, can, you can now be led by the Spirit. You can hear His voice. God can talk to you. You can, under, you can start learning the voice of God. Because <clears throat> the way Satan has operated the air, he took voices, plenty, and gave it to man. Then he also made a lot that look like God's voice. So that when God is talking, I'll be wondering, how, how, how do I know God? How are you, are you talking to me? How can I hear you, Lord you God, speak to me? He said that he did that on purpose. is to fight your building and your naming. It's to fight it. He does not want you to find inside of you anything that has to do with God. So that's what Satan is fighting. So therefore, Satan created voices. He created so much voices that he created voices in spirit, 
He created voices in soul. He created voices in body. A plenty. You know, it's about, this guy, it's called, <laughs> the guy is, they, they say the guy has perfection of beauty. Ah, come on. He, he knows how to make voices. He knows how to make names in a way. He, he knows, he knows, he has voices. You know, they say Satan, uh, Satan is the head choir. I know he's not the head choir, but I just want to use that concept. If you are a choir, you must have voice to sing. So Satan knows how to create voices, right? There are and there are kind of different kind of voices that lead souls. The voice of your there are voices in your body. Your emotion is a kind of voice. It's a kind of voice, and that voice can lead you, right? It can. And part of what I was I was I didn't say it earlier. I was going to say it was. There are things that look like God that is not God. I was trying to say is that, for example, now anger, right, is not is clearly different from the way God, but is a kind of beauty. That's what I try to explain. You know when you're angry, your anger can be a beauty. Ah, it's a kind of beauty because it, it's compelling. Have you, okay, when somebody is angry, have you noticed that the anger does not end? It's almost like they pour you wine to eat. It's like talk would keep coming. To reinforce the anger. And as that word is coming and it's reinforcing the anger, then movement. Then maybe you have maybe you are done and you maybe you've kept quiet and then the beauty of the anger will come again and talk to you. Eh? And that and that and that's why they slapped you the last time. Ah see, and that's why you'll be slapping me left and right. I don't like it. Right? It's an anointing. Is a movement, it's a voice that is leading the body. So the 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 movement things can lead that is not God. What leads men are voices. That's just the truth. What leads men are voices. Just voices here and there. That voice, this voice. Then you now have imagine you are still trying to master the voice of your body. And then all the you now know that there's another one inside the soul. That one is more difficult to see. You know, the body one is easy. Yeah. Your emotion, bang, bang, okay, I'm angry, okay, I don't like this, uh, mm, okay, finish. Mm-hmm. Then so, that one is difficult to see. It's difficult. Because the voice of your soul has to do with natures. It's just different from your emotion, it's natures. So those, are, those voices can lead souls too. Right? Such that what you want to do, you don't just you just do it the same way. Okay, okay, ah, you know, it's part of the deliverance that Paul was crying for. So that which I want to do, I do not. But that which I don't want to, that which I do, is a voice. Of, it's not the body; it's the soul. It's a voice that is leading. You realize what we read in earlier in one o three is that the do his commandment, hearken to the voice of his word. You see that aspect of doing, ah, you can't remove it from soul. Do. So the moment nature comes, you do. The thing about nature is that when it comes, you don't have an answer. You just do it. So the only answer to nature is to get another one. You can't, you can't change nature by just talking. You can't change nature by just wishing. You can't change nature by just fating nature away. I believe now I am nice. How can you be nice by just believing? You can't. You realize that there are things you have to do to be nice. 
Now I believe that now I'm the most caring person on earth. Okay. The, the, we just have to check the next second. Are you the next? Are you, okay. No, uh, okay. It's like something else has to happen. Apart from just wishing and... Mm -hmm. Now see that clearly voices lead men. Amen. So God actually built you to hear voices. What I say voices, it's not just voices, it's actually a voice. It's the voice of God. The, the reason why there are voices now is that that voice has been overshadowed. But you remember the scripture will say, you will hear a voice saying, this is the way, go. You see, you will hear a voice. You see, voices are for leading. It's to move you. When you hear a voice that you are doing, and you are obeying. What you are actually doing is you are training yourself for names in the spirit. For life in the spirit. That's what you are doing. It's a training. Every time you are partnering with the Holy Spirit. Every time you are trying to make sure you get the Holy Spirit. You get the Holy Ghost. You are led properly. You don't just do things anyhow. You want to know the will of God. You are training yourself for to carry God. It's a training to carry God. Why? Because obedience is the way God is testing you. Can you? Can you? Okay. It means that if I want to move this way, will you go that way too? You know that once God lands in a man, you know there's, there's actually a separation between God and man in a man. The separation is called will. Imagine if God comes and there is nothing inside of you to agree with him. If he comes inside of you and he bounds himself to you and he says, ah, Jide, I want to go left. When there is nothing inside of you that is like him and then inside of you like, left, no, no, that can, me, I want to go right. There is no way. You, 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 God, and God can't do anything. The moment you say, no, I'm not going, I'm going this way. You go that way. But the thing is that you're not carrying him there, but he doesn't want to go there. Right? So you now see why God is patient and the way he's tired is God is gradually building his house, which is you. He's building you gradually. And part of it is training you to hear his voice. Training you to understand his voice. Training you to separate your to separate yourself to his voice. Learn to separate other voices. Remove them. And then train yourself to discern his voice in the darkest night. When there is no help. God wants to train you such that when you, are, when you feel alone, you are not alone. When you are under the sea, you can discern his voice from within. When you are inside the cave, you can hear him. God wants to train you and train you and train you to keep heeding and hearing his voice. To hear him and hear his voice. It's, tra it's a training. So it's a spiritual training. That kind of training is what you get in the spirit. If you are not spirit aligned and spirit focused, you can't, if all the love you have is to just make it in life, forget you won't get this kind of training. And the funny thing is that you get all you want in life. When I say life, you say natural, but you miss out on the most important thing, which is to build a house for God. Amen. 
when you build yourself towards God, you are building a house for God. How many body, how many of us are excited that oh wow, I can build I, I can build myself and as I'm doing so, I'm building a house for God. You see, it's it's what being excited and happy for. Then you now realize the true meaning of life. Your life, you know, so many times you'll be wondering, oh, what's my life for? Okay, the best nurse, the best doctor, the best this, the best that. I realize that, no, 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 it's not all about that. I mean, you can be a best doctor, you can do all that. But you're not really built for that. What you are built for is to build a house for God. You know, you know, you know David is a prophet. David Check what was in David's heart as a king. What was in his heart is to build a house. He, what was the best of his best? He wants to build a house for God. Because he knew, he knew that God was looking for a house. His mind, check David. David is different. Imagine a man that will, that will do all his will. He knows something is that what the Lord is looking for is a house. Then, in, his, in the best of what he could do, he tried to build a physical house for God. Right? Even though he knew that that house was, ah, he wants it to be so beautiful, but he, still, he knows that it's not enough. And we know that after a while, he, he did something that cut him short from actually building that house. God had told him, no, you won't build that house for me. Your son Solomon will do that. Amen. Amen. And when Solomon finally did, like I said earlier, he said that God, who's heaven of the heavens, will he now stay in this house built of hands and stone? Will he, will he live there? They, they all know that this is not enough. But in a way, it appealed something in their, is a desire in their soul to build a house. And the reason why they couldn't hack the way is because the way to build that in men is not yet revealed. It was just all prophecies about it. They, 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 somehow spiritually they connect and say, ah, the Lord wants a house. He has to be a man, but there's no, we don't know how to do that. Okay, let's do what's best in their sight. Then they try to build a physical temple. It was later in the New Testament when Jesus came that Jesus now made the way known how to build the house for God. It's in Jesus that we learned that. Jesus revealed how, how do you build a house for God? It's him. How you build a house for God is the reason why Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, uh, 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 Acts of Apostles, Romans, Corinth, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, right? Thessalonians, Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrew, James, Peter, John, Jude, Revelation. See all those books? It's actually a manual of how you can build a house for God. So now, I believe when you're reading your Bible, with this understanding, you realize that, ah, see all these things they wrote. It's not just about, okay, when you do this, you do that. It actually has a, a meaning behind it. It's so that it can empower you to build a house for God. Amen. It's to build a house for God. And the house is to build yourself a house for God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So as you hearken to the voice of God, 
you are building your house. God is training you. That is the reason for training of life in the spirit. That is the reason for training. That is the reason for the spirit coming. That is the reason for all the things that God has given you. Everything God gave you is not just so that you can make it in life and be the best. I mean, of course, God will tend to your needs. That's clear. It's part of scripture. So I'm not removing that at all. I'm just saying there's more to you and your relationship with God than just getting things and going away. Now realize that hearing and obeying God is not, does not, is not useless. It actually has a gain is that as I hearken, there's one thing you will do. You will discover God. And then you will build a house. Amen. You will build yourself a house for God. That's why it's important to hearken to the voice. You are built to hear the voice of him that made you. And you can learn it. You can decide, You can perfect that hearing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So let me just move back to the Eden, and I think I've spoken a bit, but let me move back to Eden. It's from Eden I, I branched here, right? Now, talking about uh, perfection of beauty, right? Uh-huh. And then Satan himself being the master here, we'll talk about that part. Of, we are just, what we are discussing is actually exposing Satan. You know, sometimes when you talk about Satan, uh, when you talk about Satan, they think that uh, you are maybe afraid or, no, 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 don't talk about Satan. Does not help you need to actually know the guy you are warring against. You need to know the way he's built. You need to know his wisdom. In knowing, his, in, you know, when people want to win war, they study their enemy. So if you want to win a war, you have to study your enemy. So God spend time revealing your enemy to you. In different seasons and times, you will explain, okay, so this is how Satan is. When you die, it's, so that you, it's so that you can discern when he's at work. They're not just telling you, okay, now the works of the flesh have been manifest for no reason. They're not just telling you for no reason. They're not telling you, okay, the fruit of the spirit is this for no reason. It's such that when the works begin, you can identify, ah, okay, this is the work. Okay, I know you are saying, hey, I get you, you. You want to come here. Sorry, I know you. That's why the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds. It's not karma, it's not, it's mighty through God. When it is through God, it is through the knowledge of God. Right? When you know God, God shows your enemy to you. He reveals, he reveals your enemy. Say, ah, okay. See, this is the guy you are worried with. See that guy? That is a bad guy. Imagine Satan, you don't think, imagine this guy who is perfect in beauty. Let's We are going back to Eden now, like we're reading Ezekiel 28, right? So perfect in beauty. He said, thou hast been in the Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. You see? Precious stone. You know that this is not a natural stone. It's not your gold. I mean, of course, they, are, they mentioned gold, right? It's not your, your regular diamond. It's not your regular, you know, so when you think of precious stones, you think earthly precious stones. Scripture uses languages like that sometimes to try and explain spiritual things. But these are not your earthly stone. Does God use diamond? What's God going to use diamond for? You know, it's weird that I put value on diamond. I say, yeah, diamond. Why? Because it has value here. Because if you sell it, you get money. What does God need money for? 
Right? So all these precious stones on earth, is it us that it is precious for? What God called precious stone is something else spiritually. So when the, when the scripture says every precious stone was like, hey, they are talking about how it was made. That means that this precious stone, in a way, is linked to natures in God because it's, God used his name to make Satan. That this precious stone is traceable to God. If it's traceable to God, ah, is God sapphire, uh, earthly one? Is God diamond? Earthly diamond, though, not heavenly, earthly. Okay, if you now want to think about heavenly diamond or heavenly sapphire, do you think it's like the one you see here? No, it's not. There are, there, are two, there are two different materials. In short, the heaven has a different materiality to the earth. So it can't be the same. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So it says that thou has been in the Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardius, topaz, and the diamond. Ah, funny enough, they mentioned diamond here. Hmm? And the beryl, the oinks, and the jasper, the sapphire. Ah, I mentioned sapphire too, eh? The emerald, and the carbuncle. The next, and finally, and gold. Right? And gold. You see all these precious stones. When you think about them, don't think about earthly stones. And start imagining spiritual materiality. Funny enough, the thing is that you may not be able to conceptualize it. But you can go, but you can start. They gave this for a, for a purpose so you can start your thought from somewhere. Okay, how is diamond? What does it look like? Take that thought and move into the spirit. And they begin to think, okay, what does a spiritual diamond look like? See, you're, you're trying to read your Bible. Do you know that God can begin to tell you what a spiritual diamond looks like? You are meditating. You are fellowshipping spiritually. You are engaging the spirit. What the Lord wants you to do, God wants to move your thoughts more spiritually. Not just natural. Just okay, I think, when you think of it, you think it natural. You think, okay, when this means this, this, this means is this. Okay, one plus one equals two. First, how you know that earthly math does not matter there is that one plus one in heaven is not two. One plus one is one. So, so, if heavenly math is not then you know that it's not by just arrangement. It's a spiritual... And, and if they tell you one plus one in the spirit is one, and you believe it, there's a reason why you did that. It's because you have seen it where? Right? Marriage. You say, and two shall become... The two is one and one come together. It's one. Okay, it shall become one flesh. Okay, how? Okay, okay. You now realize that is an understanding spiritually that brought forth that revelation. Right? Such that what you hear it is not too strange. If somebody that does not believe in God, he says, what do you mean? One plus one equals two. I don't understand. That's why if you don't approach scripture through the door of faith, you believe it before you realize that it will be difficult to understand Bible. The Bible is not meant to be you know, studied as if it's a textbook. There's a tool you use to engage scripture. It's your heart. By faith. Faith of, first of all, believe in the unseen. I believe in you, Jesus. Then, begin to read. You now see that the scripture can open to you. So, when you are reading Bible and you don't believe in Jesus, there's a way the Bible can arrange and move your heart. If you now by that follow that and then believes in Jesus, you know that thing you followed is actually much more than that. 
There are things in there's a world of spirit. So that when you are reading the Bible, that thing can also open up and throw you into a world. When it throws you into it, then you can begin to fetch thought from heaven that you not normally you won't think. Things that when, ah, so this God can start talking to you. No, like I was saying, it's good to hear the voice of God and and the easiest way, like we, I think last Tuesday or so, there about we we're talking about the boundaries around life and around the unction, around the spirit, is scripture. There's a reason why God did that. So this scripture opens you up into God's world. It will open up and start teaching you things. It will, the reason for that is that it, so that they can make the spiritual real to you. How they make the spiritual real to you is by faith engagement. So when you are reading Bible, engage it with faith. Meaning you believe in Jesus. Believe in the unseen. Then begin to read your Bible. Amen. Amen. Begin to what? Read your when you begin to read your Bible, yeah. you realize that you are actually throwing yourself in the hand of God. If you are believing in him, is that you don't have the arrangement of your own thing and all that. Right? And like I was saying, there's nothing wrong in reading your Bible just to know what's there. Even in doing that, open your heart spiritually to do that. You realize that as you are reading it, the, 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 the spirit will begin to highlight things in your heart. You don't know it's highlighted. It's later they will begin to come. But just read it. Just to know what, just read it. But with your heart and your spirit, keep reading the Bible. Don't read it like you want to go and preach. Don't read it like when I read it, finish. Then I'll speak, I'll speak great mysteries. Uh-uh. When you do that, you realize that they actually shut the gate to you. All you'll be seeing is just what is written there, nothing, you just read it. And then later what happens is that you start cooking things up. As you start cooking, means that you start coming up with your own revelation. Something that is not revealed to you, that is not inspired spiritually. Right? But scripture is not meant to be engaged like that. It's meant to be engaged so that when you engage scripture, it will open up the world to you. Scripture should make Jesus real to you. I think that's what I wanted to say earlier, the start of the message, right? They want to open doorway. Funny enough, that's what Evan has just done. Is to open a doorway for you and I to begin to engage spiritual things more easily, access it, touch it. Amen. It's possible to make the spiritual real. It's by word like this, teaching, preaching, foolishness of preaching. God will say, by preaching things like this, you were able to see pictures of things spiritual, so that you can labor for it. See these things I'm talking about are things you should be laboring for. This this is what they call bread. So what do you labor for that which is not bread? What do you labor? What do you suffer for that which satisfied not? Because we don't know true bread. It's because we, th- we have a concept of some kind of bread. In short, we arrange our bread and all that. Mm. Bread is spiritual. As John was telling us, anything that is from heaven is obviously spiritual. Say, I am the bread that came from heaven. That's, there's a bread you should be eating. Now, the bread you should be eating is Jesus. Right? Jesus is bread. But Jesus has to be. Why do you labor for that which is not bread? Why do you labor for that which is not going to reveal Jesus? 
How do you labor for that which is not spirit? Why do you chase after that would not add to you spiritually? Do you know that the energy of your soul can be poured into discovering God? I was explaining something earlier. The difference between labor and doing. You can do things without laboring. How you labor for that which is not bread is that you pour your soul into it. All your being, all your presence. In short, that thing, in, in different phases, we have things we do that with. Such that is what makes our life meaningful. In different times, okay, this one, okay, if I do it, my life will somehow have some kind of meaning. If I do this, oh, okay. So in different times and seasons, we put ourselves into different, different, different things. But really, it's not meant to be so. You are meant to labor for the bread which is from heaven. And how you do that is that you keep sowing yourself into life in the spirit. You have to see these things I'm talking about, engaging scripture, knowing, uh, knowing things spiritually. These are the things that souls should be engaged in. These are the things you should be spending yourself for. Discovering Jesus. Uh, let them be explaining Satan to you. It's things to be to be sowing yourself into. Let them explore. They explain. Uh, uh, you now realize that. Ah, wait. So there's a whole. Uh, so I can enjoy God like this. You know, sometimes we box the enjoyment of God to maybe this little little time ago just came in, in our room or maybe we are in the, in, in church and then they were singing one song all of it. So there you are connected to that song. You box it. Mm. That's what supposed to be. That's not supposed to be just the end of things. You should carry God everywhere you go. You should be able to enjoy God everywhere you go. The reason why we are not enjoying God enough is that we are not pouring ourselves into Him. We are not pouring ourselves. We are not laboring for the bread which perisheth not. Amen. We labor for bread that perisheth. The bread that perisheth is that which is not bread. So why do we labor for that which is not bread? Why do you labor for it? Why do you pour all your energy? So just because you are doing things does not mean you are laboring. So that's what I'm trying to say. So you can go to school, get a job, right? You can, uh, what else? Work professionally, maybe after you graduate, you're not working. You can do all that, but you are not laboring for it. That's the difference. So, sometimes, because we don't understand the difference, we think, oh, just doing it is me laboring. No. You can do things without laboring. Meaning that you're not pouring your soul into it. You do it, for example, you have to work. You do it for the needful. He that does not work should not eat. Ah, so go work. Right? So, working is not removing you from following and pouring yourself and following after God. Amen. But of course, you also have to have wisdom to arrange your work around your pursuit of God. Nothing should take the pursuit of God away from you. Amen? Amen. That's what you are created for. To find him, pursue after him, love him, take him fully, all of him, not little. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So they've, they've explained, they've explained this great guy that is fallen to us. Amen. Amen. It says, uh, the, 
Say the workmanship of thy tabaret and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. You see, in the day that God was then in verse 14 it says, Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. And I have set thee so. So God is telling us he's the one that set him so. Amen. Amen. So thou was upon the holy mountain of God. Right? This holy mountain of God is Zion. That I was saying earlier, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God had shined. That's what the scripture says, right? So they are saying, so for him to have, to be perfect in beauty is because he's made of that there's a particular property of that mountain that is part of. So that's why, so that's, that's what you tell you. See, that mountain of God is where you, where you two should be going to. Yes, you know, you can go there. Yes, Hebrews 12 tells us you can go there. You are not come to a mount that cannot be touched. Right? Like Israel. You know, when Israel get, came to Sinai, it's a typification of coming to Zion. Right? You also can go to Zion and be perfect in beauty. It's not something that is strange to you. Or should be strange to you. You should have grace and strength to pursue after. As long as you are going after God, you are pouring yourself, you are laboring for his bread, you will arrive at Zion. That's, that's it. You will arrive at Zion. You don't just arrive at Zion because, you know, now I'm in Zion. No. You arrive there by pursuit. God has landmarks where he is. When souls are in Egypt, God is in the promised land. But first, God came to them by the sea, opened the path of the Red Sea, they crossed. Then God appeared to them in Sinai. It's a landmark too. It's a, it's a Zionic experience. Then after that, then they moved them into the land of the Moabs, and then after that, into the promised land. God has landmarks, and every landmark is a blessing for you. There are things inside God in every landmark for you, for you to take and receive. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So it says here that it was upon the mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. You know, this looks like a movie, right? It's in the mountain and then you're moving in the midst of stones that they arrange fire stones and then it's just walking up and down. <laughs> it's like that. But not really. I mean, it looks like that, but we can imagine things like that. But him walking to and fro here among the stones of fire is actually talking about him walking amongst beings. They are not just stones. Stones of fire are angels too. Yeah. They are angels. You know, what seraphim means is the burning one. So seraph is a burner. is burning. And they are stones too. The same way Lucifer is also a stone. You see, every precious stone was that. Imagine that picture. Right? If you just imagine that. If every precious stone is discovering, it will look like a stone. Right? It looks like a hand. So when they're saying that he's walking among the stones of fire, so they're not just talking about the arranged stones and the lights fire, you know. I mean, I've seen that. There's this, ah, what's this movie, last movie, uh, Jagun Jagun. Uh-huh. So there's what this Jagun, uh, you've not seen, okay, ah, the Jagun Jagun movie, there's the, the guy's house. When you're approaching his house, by the, by the door, you see lamps and then fire burning. So it may look like that, but no. Those stones of fire, they are actually beings, angels like him. But they are not of the same make. Him, every precious stone, they stones of fire. They are also stones. So they are stones of fire. He's talking about their name, their person. And those are seraphims, the burning ones. 
they call him the anointed cherub. So he is a cherubim. Right? They call him thou the, the, the anointed cherub that covereth. Right? <laughs> Is, they, can, they also call him son of the morning. How are thou seen? Son of the morning. So cherubims are sons. Seraphims are sons as well. Right? But, but they're just a different kind. Now, you need fire for night. Right? But you don't need fire for day. So sons of the morning means it deals with glory. Because in the day is glory, not fire. But sons of fire, they deal with fire because they need fire at night. Right? So the the place where the seraphs are is actually called the place of the night. So they have to burn to light up the place. But a cherubim does not need to burn. He's, that's why his stones, every precious stone was his covering because what it does is actually he beams light. They don't burn light. They beam it. That's why he can walk amongst them because he's bringing the light of God to those angels. That's part of his duty amongst them. So the reason why he's walking to and fro is so that he can shine God's light to the seraphs because they can't go to where God is. There is separation between all those beings. Right? That's Psalm 103 tells us their separation. If you read it all to the end, you'll see other ones called walks in all places of it. They are also angels. But they are separated. Then, you now have the shining ones, right? And the way the scripture calls them, they call them cherubims of glory. And you notice that when the Lord was building the ark, he says, in the, in the mercy seat, put two cherubims covering, putting their hand covering the mercy seat is a sign of a cherub. A cherub covers, right? And that's how Satan is taking the air too. He's covering. It's, a, it's called the face of the covering cast. Spread over the nation. It's part of the nature. You see, what Satan is doing is his nature is using to operate. It's not anything different. Which is why God needs to expose him to you and I. So we know how we operate. We can this. Okay, okay, okay. In areas we haven't discerned him yet, God still needs to come and tell us, oh, they are Satan. So we can understand. But he is a covering. And they call them cherubims of glory. Because they, those are the angels closest to God. Cherubims are closer than seraphs. So, cherubims, don't, they don't need to burn. They are from the realm of glory, so they don't need to burn. But seraphs need to burn. So, he can walk among the stones of fire. Because he's walking amongst the burning. So, he's, trying, he's almost trying, he's in, in a way, trying to give them an experience of God. That they can't have in their level. So you come, shine light. They can experience God in a way. Ah, okay, it's keeping worship in heaven. Then, ah, it's like, ah, Elohim, you are taking all this worship. Maybe I can take some for myself. Mm, okay, 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 okay. Let me take some for myself. And that's what happened to him. What happened here? Then we see in verse, <coughs> excuse me, in verse 14, this is the anointed cherub that. Cover it. And I have said this so. That was upon the holy mountain of God. That was walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. That was perfect. In thy ways from the day that thou was created. Till iniquity was found in thee. So by the multitude of thy merchandise. That's what's happening. You see now that 
see multitude of merchandise. That's the same thing the king of Tyrus did. He was a merchandiser. He was selling and buying. So I see the correlation between that spirit and that man. So it's out of the nature of the things he did that that man too is prospering. So by the multitude of thy merchandise, say they have filled thy midst with violence. And thou as what does it sound like violin? Violence. And thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. You see, they throw me out of that mountain. And I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, for the mist, from the mist of the stones. You see, is that what they are saying that they are taking him out of a place. So you, it was it was given as an officer amongst angels. They say, Ah, I will cast you out of them. Because you have seen, iniquity is found in the, you have merchandised your fate. So he took what God, all the, all the precious stones, he corrupted them by the multitude of his merchandise. Because he corrupted his wisdom. Scripture tells us that he corrupted, that has corrupted thy wisdom. Okay, that's verse 17. See, the heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. You see? Because of thy ability to pull. You know, have you, have you ever been and feel the anointing within you? It, it's pulling. You feel like you're God. But you're not God. <laughs> right? So Satan was feeling like he's God. Right? It was feeling like, so the, thy heart was lifted up. Because of thy beauty. When the anointing is upon you, it's, a, it's an operation. Of, it's, it's beautiful in a way. And like when, when you are engaging the Holy Spirit and you feel a bless, ah, you, you feel like you feel like you can do anything. You feel like I'm God. God is here, you know. <laughs> but somehow God has to remind us that can meekness, you know. I'm not I'm not you're not yet where I am, you know, in a way, but that's just me coming to you. If I if this if I take my anointing and my spirit from you, you know you and I know what you will do. <laughs> if I just take it and say, let me just stay away from two minutes, you and I know what? You will do. But the, the, the Lord does not want to take his. And it's a prayer of our heart that we should pray. Say, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Prayer of David. Right? Amen. Amen. So by the reason of his beauty, he corrupted his wisdom. So we are seeing how Satan, I'm rounding on, we are seeing how, how Satan changed. So we are seeing from where he's coming from and where he's landing now. You see all the things that happened to him. And they are, they are painting this to us. As, as we are talking about, is it not real? Yes. It's real. It looks real. It feels real. Yes, it's because it's real. real. Now, what, I think this is, the, this, this is all I, I have to say. What the Lord wants to do is to make the spiritual things real. That's just it. The, your pursuit for life in the spirit should be without What's that word? Without, without your pursuit should be without restriction. It should be without. It should have, It should be rivaled. Your pursuit for life in the spirit should not be rivaled by any other thing. Don't pour your labor. Have the wisdom of doing things without pouring labor, and have the wisdom to labor for the bread that perisheth not. It's to labor for life in the spirit. Labor for life in the spirit. There's a bread that does not perish. That's what you should labor for. I can, I can tell you, the spirit is not boring. 
See, leave all those things that that the world says about Christians. That we are boring or we do just pray, clap and ah, it's because they've not tasted and see that the Lord is good. I can bet with you. When you move into the spirit, you will have occupation you will do for life that will not finish. You have pleasure. Have you, have you not heard Psalm 16? Said, in thy presence there is fullness of joy. And on the other what pleasures for? It's pleasure you can't finish. If it's pleasure you can't finish, is it not what going after? It means I should pour myself in the spirit, in God, not in things that perish. I will do things. I will go to school, study, pass, do everything, work, do everything I need to do. But I will pour myself. I will have wisdom to know where to pour myself into. To pour myself and labor. Is that aspect is laboring, laboring, laboring for the true bread. It's a, it's a kind of labor you have to exercise in the spirit to enjoy God. God wants to enjoy you. God wants you to enjoy him. There's nothing boring. Every time you think God, joy should live from your heart. You should be, hey, oh my God, I just thought about Jesus. Ah, that's how the spirit should be. That's how it is. It, there is, you know, every time you move into the spirit, that's how it is really. You become like a child again. You are, you are joyful. You are just happy for no reason. And you wonder, why are you happy? I'm just happy. Why? And I was making you, okay, I have bread that you know not of. That's why I'm happy. I have bread that you know not of. You should be excited about bread, the true bread, about bread in the spirit. Are we blessed today? Can we just begin to bless the name of the Lord? Father, we thank you. Mahara Nasado. Can we pray that the Lord will give us grace? Now, one of the things that the Lord was saying to us is that they want to make Jesus, all of these things I'm saying, should make Jesus real to every soul. Why? Because Jesus is what makes all these things possible. And it is in Jesus you can find all these things. Can we pray that the Lord will give us grace to fall in love and, and labor for bread that perisheth not? Grace to Pour ourselves and labor for bread that perisheth not. Zenemakaria sosoferenemes sekerianema soparia. Embrasa zanemasha kariata. Zemenemenemenemaso soparia. My grace, grace for to pour, to pour. <coughs> grace for of pouring to pour ourselves, to pour ourselves and labor for bread that does not perish. To labor for bread that does not Jesus will become real to us day after day. That Jesus will become real to us more and more day after day, night after night. Jesus will become real. That the spiritual will become real. That the Lord will make the spiritual tangible. That the bread of life will become real. That which we should labor for will become real. <coughs> Grace to labor and labor and labor. Maraka Grace to labor. Grace to labor for the true bread. To find delight in the true bread. 
is whatever you delight in, you you will labor for. Labor and delight go side by side. Pray that the Lord will give you delight for things in the spirit. Things in the spirit. You will delight in the spirit. Thank you, Jesus. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Father, we thank you for today. We give you all the praise. We thank you for the strength of your word. We thank you for the blessing of your word. We thank you, Father, for the oil that you've poured forth today. We say, be thou exalted in Jesus' name. Father, we pray for that as you have poured forth yourself is an oil for increase and for desire for spiritual things. We pray that this fire, because oil and fire go side by side, we pray that the oil will be ignited by your fire in the name of Jesus. That will begin to burn for the true bread. That will find wisdom to labor for the spiritual. Father, we pray that you give grace and supply grace to every heart in this season to find pleasure in the spirit, to find delight in the spirit, that the spirit will become natural, more natural to our soul in the name of Jesus. And we'll find strength to move like the wind and soar in the spirit. Thank you, Father, because you've answered our prayers. We give you all the praise. Thank you because you've answered our prayers. For in Jesus' precious name, we are praying. Amen. Praise the Lord. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim.